Oggi è scatta Teo. Eccola, ecco la sarabanda del Teo. 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 Se n'è andato Teo. Se n'è andato Teo. Il tiro. Gol! Una meraviglia totale. Teo Hernandez. Anticipa l'avversario. Ciala. Carica il destro. A gol! A gol! A gol! A gol! A gol! A Can! L'ha messa là dove si annidano i nemici dell'igiene all'angolino alto. Hello and welcome back to Seiya Spotlight Season 2, Episode 37. We're your hosts Jake and Matt here to discuss match days 33 and 34 of Seiya. Um, 33 would be rather brief, brother, this week. Very brief. Firstly, I'd like to address that we're back together again after such a long time. Oh yeah. So it's it's very good to be back. Um, Obviously, with the tight nature of these two match days, we'll briefly be going through match day 33 and kind of the main happenings of them, and then moving forward to match day 34, where you'll see one of our more regular podcasts, where we go match day by match day with all the talking points, yada yada yada. Yes, precisely. Um, in the spirit of Luke Mintoff, who covered for Matthew, we are currently drinking some Rosé d'Anjou. Um, toilet water, to be honest, but it's all we had, right? Sweet toilet water. Sweet, Sweet toilet, toilet water. water. I'm not going to lie, I like it with desserts, but I don't like drinking it with food or, or, yeah. or alone. Typically with like a nice chocolate fondant or something, but beggars can't be choosers and... Yeah, Luke Mintov got us this drink, so we appreciate you, brother. Thank you very much, Mint. I um, hope you're listening. Um, goals of the week, bro. We have match day 33. It was Haka and Chalanoglu's rocket yeah. from a distance. That's the, the old Chalanoglu. Yeah, that's the the Germany Chalanoglu. Yeah, no, the exactly. Bundesliga Chalanoglu. That was, the celebration was cold, bro. <sighs> Let me tell you what, bro. He, he is a cold footballer. He's had um, some really cool moments. He has. No, he's he had has. some really cool moments. He's also had some dirty moments where he's yeah. done a lot of people dirty. But let's not get into that because our bias will start coming into this. <laughs> yeah. Podcast, not a Milan exactly, podcast. Yes, um, but a phenomenal shot, cold celebration. Love to see it. Um, for match day 34, it was Theo Hernandez's coast to coast run. He's done it again at the San Siro, his second coast to coast goal since the one that happened right in front of our very eyes, bro, against Atalanta yeah. last season. Mm, that's when I heard him go <clears throat> when, when a player like charged into him. We were so close. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, so at least some balance has been restored to the force with a Milan goal cancelling out the Inter goal, no? Yeah, there you go. There you go. Speaking of cold celebrations, wasn't that cold? Theo's celebration. Theo's a, uh, not like for me, bro. DJ'd a little bit. No, I, I, um, it's not funny, for... you know, but like I'm more of the, the cold. Cel- I'm more of a fan of cold celebrations to the point that like um, you can make really cool TikTok montage yeah. videos, you know, of them, with like know. some trendy music yeah. in the background. Exactly. <laughs> that, the Andrew Money. Tate song, what is it? Um, uh, <laughs> but you know what? If between those celebrations he's scoring these goals, then absolutely no problem no with problem us. No problem at all. We'll take it. Pink hair don't care. Yep. We've had our betting segment as well. We're back to losing ways, guys. Um, we had win or draw for Bologna against Sassuolo and bad win or draw for Salernitana against Empoli and we got them both totally wrong. Well, Sassuolo-Bologna was a 1-1. 
Oh yeah, it was a one-one. Yeah, we got it was that. a one-one. And yeah, I, I didn't expect Empoli to blow Salernitana out of the water. Like they, they just did. looked so good. They Empoli, looked good. Bro. They, they looked, looked really good. good. And Salernitana like couldn't get going. Yeah. against them. Um, Salernitana like to force their play out wide. No, yeah. um, Empoli go down the middle, one twos everywhere, Literally. and they they completely expose them. Literally. Um, so a lot has happened while we were away in inverted commas. So. Round of applause, obviously, to the Serie A winners of 2022-2023, Napoli. There was absolutely no doubt. I think we all knew by match day 10 that yeah. these were going to be um, the champions. We had a little bit of, you know, um, uh, hope by saying they haven't faced the bigger teams yet and Napoli yeah. tend to bottle it. Absolutely not. They blew everyone out of the water. Um, apart from Milan, this this Serie A season um, and rightfully so they are the, the champions of Italy I mean head and shoulders above the rest to mathematically um, win the league so early on massive respect to Napoli yes it was it was men against boys no um, for, for the vast majority I'm such a complete team um, out of nowhere a dark horse people didn't even have them finishing in the top four it's a remarkable story yeah. over there this Napoli side winning the league after 30 years you know you can see what it means to them um, yeah amazing absolutely amazing feat and I'm happy that we get to we get to witness this and yeah man yeah a very similar story to that of Milan's last season um, yeah. uh, thankfully we follow a league that in the past four years we've had four different champions so we're very very blessed to be witnessing all this in front of us to now see Napoli win the league after 30 or so years getting their third championship the last one they got was with Maradona and the city of Naples absolutely deserves it you look at the celebrations with Farfetch'd I think someone died um, <laughs> yes <laughs> someone did die um. yeah rest in peace and, and our condol condolences um, but that, 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 that goes to show how crazy they get <laughs> yes there was a question from one of our listeners like, what do you think of um, Napoli fans now you know, Napoli fans, of course, you look at them right now and you think, you know, the, the headlines what are all negative. Like, you think, yes, uh, oh my God, what savages. But at the end of the day, you know, you're looking at a place where poverty is is very high. Um, yeah. And when you have a place like that, unfortunately, uh, education wouldn't be the strongest suit, right? And of course, it's a generalization, but but things, it, it's not a matter of Napoli fans. It's a social mm economic problem that, yeah. that exists um, in Naples and unfortunately it reflects itself in situations like this I don't think it's fair to say anything about Napoli fans or Napoli as a team you know yeah. because I mean it's yeah. a different community if you were to compare it to the to, to the Romes the Milans there's no right and wrong but but obviously um, the Napolitans have their own way just like the Milanese yeah. have their own way so it is what it is man yes. um, um, you know to to love hard you have to hate hard you know is that old that's it. Deal, yeah. that's it um Sampdoria relegated I think we had no yeah. doubt about that either um <laughs> well I thought at the point they had a decent run and then they could they could get it done but it turns out they're absolutely hopeless um yeah. they they're still owned by Ferraro bro Ferrero Fer um what's it? Ferrero yeah, yes Ferrero. Massimo Ferrero now Massimo Ferrero actually was forced to step down as Sampdoria president in December 2021 for alleged fraudulent bankruptcy um he's 71 years old this guy by the way um he's still the owner of the team he's no longer he's not in prison I don't even know if he ever, ever went to prison for that if he ever did time but yes um he has run this club to the ground you could see this happening in the 
the past two years the decline and the lack of investment yeah. was so clear and they've been punished for it yeah. um kind of hoping verona get punished for it too but they seem to be turning things around they do they do um we see this quite often in italy where where it becomes a little bit of a business um we saw early signs of it with Sassuolo, for example, but it turns out that some of their investments have been really good. Um, Lauriante and also investing yeah. in a fantastic manager and showing faith in him, which is what they did. Um, as Sampdoria go down, Genoa come back up. So that's another season without one of my favorite derbies. Yeah. Um, but hopefully we'll see Sampdoria come back up the, the following season to, to face Gilardino's men. They came second in Serie B and Frosinone, Fabio Grosso's men came first. So super excited yes, to bro. see these Serie A managers in the top flight again. It's going to be mad. Um, two exciting young managers over there. Um, lots of notable players from these sides. You know, you look at Frosinone, for example, they won the league in Serie B with Roberto Insigne playing um, of go. course the Insigne we all know his brother um, Turati was in goal he's Sassuolo's young goalkeeper very good um, Juventus is full back Frabotta's playing over okay. there um, their bomber was Samuele Mulattieri who he was the guy scoring all the goals for them Genoa have some names that probably we're more familiar with because they were in Serie A more recently they've got the likes of Massimo Coda Goodmanson Dragosin Bani Aramu and Sturaro oh man yeah um, can't wait can't that. wait to have Genoa back um, you look at the celebrations they are gassed bro fans are gassed bro absolutely and one of my favorite stages of the season is coming up which is the Serie B playoffs oh yes uh, I watch that like it's the World Cup what are you rooting for absolutely adore it um, I just want to see Palermo I, I want Palermo I, I love really the way they play football them. as well and then there's also um, Pisa and Bari that haven't yeah. been there in a while that one day they were kind of household Serie A names yeah. way back in the day um, did Cagliari make it to the Cagliari are around, are around I believe um, Cagliari are I'm sure they're in the, it's everyone and their dog bro yeah I mean I love having as much diversity as possible in the league so having Cagliari yeah, back Cagliari, would be fifth. amazing and Parma I think there's so Bari, Sutirol, Cagliari, Parma, Palermo Pisa and even the likes of Venezia, Scoli and Regina and more than other all still in there with their jobs yeah. you know it's match day 36 mm. there are Two match days remaining in Serie Let's see what happens. Yeah. I can't wait for the playoffs. Can't wait. Absolutely, man. I, I, and I would also be happy with Cagliari, as, as yeah. I was going to say, because yeah. having a representative from Sardinia oh, yes. in Serie A would be, would be great. Don't forget to follow us. Guys, rate us five stars wherever you're listening or a four, but preferably a five. <laughs> um, we're on Spotify, Google Play and Apple Podcasts. Um, uh, and if you guys want to, you know, keep your eyes on us while we're not recording and consume some of our content, we're available on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter and even YouTube. Um, we'll start things off by going through the results of the previous match day. So match day 33. There we saw Juve beat Lecce two goals to one at tight encounter between Atalanta and Spezia resulted in a 3-2 victory for Atalanta. Sampdoria lost out at home against Torino um, and Salernitana drew 3-3 against Fiorentina. We saw an amazing Dia hat-trick and we saw the entire Salernitana stadium just 
on their feet sing the absolute scenes were ridiculous that was a game for the ages I'm all for Dia to Milan I don't care I I need it to happen absolutely Dia has hyped me up he's got everything he's got the IQ he's got the technical ability the hunger for the size the the size yes he's got the the hype he's got a song to go with him he's got a couple of songs as well man Fucking but that hell. was that was that there was a draw between Monza and Roma one goal to one Lazio overcoming Sassuolo two goals to nil a super disappointing draw for Milan um, home against Cremonese the score of 1-1 that's a total of two points Milan have collected against Cremonese this season um, Okereke just <laughs> scoring a magnificent goal to open the scoring quite late on causing Chao and Kalulu to crash into each other yeah. like Heinze and, and Ferdinand yeah Heinze I'm telling you um, Okereke thought he was <laughs> playing an old Trafford in the rain no? literally literally it was, <laughs> was crazy it was rolled back the years literally um, Verona nil Inter six that's where we saw Hakan Chalonoglu's marvellous goal Empoli three Bologna one Empoli there started to consider themselves a little bit safe Bologna on a, on a bit of a negative run at the mm-hmm. moment then Udinese won Napoli won was enough to win Napoli the league yes. and over there we saw the entire celebration outside the Udinese stadium and even back in Naples people were all around the stadium they went mad right um, yeah. yeah that was that happened so fast bro all the games were happening at the same time they happened over two two days yeah with um, I believe the, the Wednesday Wednesday games had eight games eight games but just two different times yeah so you can only watch two yeah, yeah so thank god we didn't record an episode for that one because yeah. it was almost impossible to bring you guys good we would content. have had to record on Friday by the time it would have been out the next match they would have started exactly so yeah. we become irrelevant instantly exactly but yeah but we've we got another one to talk about another match day, right? Yes. Uh, a Juicy Lucy one, bro. A Juicy Lucy. Match day 34 blessed us with... The, every single team that's fighting for Europe faced off in this game. So there was Milan against Lazio. There was Roma against Inter. There was Atalanta against Juve. And then there, the, there were the likes of Sassuolo against Bologna, which yeah. is a derby as well. Cremonese Spezia, a relegation six-pointer. Lecce Verona, relegation six-pointer. Empoli Salernitana. I'm not going to say it's a relegation six-pointer, but it's there, bro. Yeah, 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 it's yeah. fucking there, like. Um, Torino-Monza, great game. Napoli-Fiorentina, two very, very attacking sides. This was a brilliant, brilliant match day. Just to run you through the happenings, it was Milan 2, Lazio 0. That's where Teo Hernandez's great goal was. Milan getting back at Lazio after defeating them 4-0 in the previous fixture. Roma 0, Inter 2. Roma absolutely ridden with injuries and Inter back to their finest form. Atalanta 0, Juve 2. A lot of controversy surrounding Juve, a lot of bad form surrounding Juve, but they managed to get a very, very uh, strong W over here. Napoli 1, Fiorentina Nil still winning even though they're all kind of hungover Sassuolo 1 Bologna 1 in the derby Torino 1 Monza 1 Udinese 2 Sampdoria nil sending Sampdoria down to Serie B Empoli 2 Salernitana 1 a lovely stylistic battle over there in a relegation 6 pointer Lecce nil Verona 1 Verona finally escaping that relegation zone where they've been for the entire season and that was because Cremonese beat Spezia 2 Nil. 
what a fucking week, bro. Like, where the hell should we even start? I mean, we'll, we'll start from Milan Lazio, I guess. <laughs> but yeah, um, that's mine. Um, before we get into it, guys, if you're listening on Spotify, if you scroll down, you can see it says, uh, what did you think of this episode? It's a very thought-provoking question that I plug in over there. Um, you can leave a comment and you your comment will become visible on Spotify. It's a cool way of interacting with us, a cool way of reaching out. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So we yes. encourage you. Milan 2, Lazio 0. This was a top four clash, of course, with both sides eyeing Champions League qualification. Now, a fun fact about this game is that Milan have drawn more games against Lazio and Serie A than against any other side, with 59 draws out of 160 matches, along Ooh. with 70 Milan wins and 31 Lazio wins. Um, coming into this, Lazio had picked up the most points in the last 11 games in Serie A this season, with Oof. 25 points. They had eight wins, one draw, and two losses. Lazio had also also kept the most away clean sheets in the big five European leagues this season. Christ 11 did. in 16 away games. Man, their defense has been something yeah. else this season. And, and, and actually, I have a, a hot take for that. That is probably the main reason or the only reason as to why Lazio are in the position they are this season as opposed to last season. Mm -hmm. They were so leaky last season and, and and this season they're just so tough to penetrate man yeah and then you look at them at the end of the day they lost Acerbi and Luis Felipe who are two massive personalities at the back Absolutely. two experienced defenders two very good ones but you know they replace them adequately Romagnoli is a super defender and Chassal is pretty good too he's not bad at all himself and yeah. perhaps not in this game but yeah. <laughs> in general um, so let's start with Pioli's 4-2-3-1 Mike Manian was in goal with Theo Hernandez out on the left side with Calabria on the right Tomori and Kier with the centre-back partnership the double pivot was Krunic and Tonali with Leao on the left and Junior Messias on the right Giroud playing with Benasser right behind him. This, of course, could be interpreted as a 4-3-3. It's the age-old discussion, right? Yeah. For Sarri, it was his usual 4-3-3 formation. Um, I wonder if he has ever played anything else. I've I, I don't it. think he does, bro. Provedel was in goal with Marusic as the right back and Hisai as the left back. Very experienced players over there. Chasale and Romagnoli as the centre-back duo with a midfield trident of Luis Alberto... Antonio and Milinkovic Savage. For a second, I forgot Antonio's name. Um, it's um, I'm tell Marcus you right Antonio. Now. Marcus Antonio? Yeah, Marcus, Marcus Antonio. Antonio. Okay, there yeah. we go. Yeah. Antonio's barbershop more than Marcos Marcos <laughs> there we go um, Felipe Anderson was the right winger and Zakani was the left winger with Chiro Immobile the pro prolific goal scorer playing up front now this was um, a very cagey affair and in the seventh minute Leao went and he hurt himself there was a slight muscle injury over there as he did his usual kind of shimmy as he, he dropped his shoulder and beat his man but he pushed the ball a little bit too far from where he was um, towards the goalkeeper and he kind of injured himself in the process. Now, he will not be risked until he's 100% fit. There, were, there was footage of him jogging and training today, doing the laps, but um, of course, he might miss the Inter and Spezia game so that Milan can have him fully fit for the Inter second leg. In the 17th minute, Benasser was pressing high as he always does in this position that he plays. Um, he dispossessed Chasale, he played it off Giroud and bounced it over Provedel on the volley. Um, what a goal that was. The technique to, to volley it towards the ground and just over the goalkeeper is always so amazing. The bounce shot is fun to watch. You know? 100% man and we've seen Benasser get on the, sh on the score sheet a couple of times now this season and Oh, even in the Champions League against Napoli, a crucial, crucial goal. And um, he had a very important goal last season as well. 
and a lovely strike from from outside the area and just he contributes so much defensively and offensively to the game he's a gem to have this Benacer guy man he really is bro um, in the 29th minute Manyan had no idea who was about to get an assist as he rolled the ball to Theo Hernandez who just drove coast to coast and finished perfectly what a goal what a goal what a goal what a goal I, just... I don't get why they were giving him so much space outside the box on his favourite left foot honestly right close him down but yeah. we know Romagnoli has been criticised for, for doing that part yeah of absolutely especially by us <laughs> by us and especially when he's against Lukaku no. yeah the thing about um, Theo's coast to go- coast runs I can't say that coast to coast coast to coast his ass to mouth runs um, he, he always carries the ball closely to a player who's on a yellow card oh man it's so smart like you see the first one he drove for a while right next to Coop Miners no? yeah. Coop Miners was on yellow you look at this one Milinkovic Savic was on yellow and he drove side by side with him forcing Milinkovic Savic to be the one to mark him for quite a while as well um, incredible player high IQ um, yeah, very smarter than smart. he looks smarter than he acts yeah <laughs> literally you know? he is he has that Sergio Ramos influence man yeah that's it He's crazy, but he's calculated and he's intelligent. Definitely, bro. Um, Provedel of Lazio looks like Henry Bonello of Malta. Yes. <laughs> now, <laughs> now, bro, talking points, I'm going to jump straight to it. Can Milan beat Inter in the semi-final of the Champions League without Rafael Leo? Um, the answer is yes. Now, the conversation of how gets way more complicated, right? Um, if Salamakers plays with the form that he's playing right now and he plays on the left-hand side, he could put in a good shift. Mm-hmm. Um, now, obviously, Milan play a lot of containing football, a lot of counter-attacking football, and the main guy they use for the counter-attacks is, is Leao. It's, it's no secret, he's yeah, the yeah. lethal weapon of Milan. However, having Salamakers, who's slightly more conservative, even though recently he's been playing very close to goal, mm-hmm. with Theo on the overlap, something could happen there. Yeah. Something could definitely happen. Milan are a lot more than just Leao, and I mm-hmm. think they could get it done. Yes, just as they did against Lutz, you know? I mean, Leao got injured in the... In the 11th minute, he was subbed off like for Salamakers, and they still managed to get the job done against a very impressive Lazio side. Now, yes, um, Salamakers' form has improved at a, at a perfect time, bro, crucial time. And you look yeah. at Milan right now, the, the depth isn't bad in that department. So you have the likes of Brahim Diaz, who always steps up in the Champions League. You have, okay, Brahim Diaz, let's say you play him out on the right, and you play Salamakers or Junior Messias on the other side. You know, you, yeah. have, you have options over there. Absolutely. There's there's Rebic as well. Rebic um, is another option. It's true. I completely forgot about him for a second. <laughs> yeah, and Divock Origi as, yeah. as well as another option. Nah, that's not Not, for me. not to um, forget the 3-4-3 or the 3-5-2. The 3-5-2 rather. That could be a little... A little thing, but I, I highly doubt. I highly doubt Milan will do that. The, yeah, it would have to take This formation has been very Massive successful. balls. Yeah. For, for for Pioli to do that. But to answer your question, yeah, I think Milan can absolutely do it. I think for Milan to beat Inter, Milan need to beat Inter when Inter are on the ball specifically. Mm-hmm. I think that's where Inter are, are the hardest to stop because they're very fluid. Um, they're very dynamic. When they attack, they attack in numbers. They've got a lot of weapons. Um, for Milan to catch them on the break, it doesn't need to be Rafa Leao. Yeah, um, they do commit quite a few men forward, but I don't know. Um, 
Inter are also very solid at um, containing, and I don't think they'll leave much space to run in behind, and they'll be wary of uh, Milan's counter and contain plan, because contain and counter was Milan's plan for this entire Champions League campaign. Yeah, so it, has been. it has been. So so we'll see what can happen here. It's just so hyped to see this, um, the first Derby della Madonnina in the Champions League semi-final since 2003. Yeah. Now, Di Marco was at the stadium wearing an Inter shirt as a child back oh in 2003, God. and now he's playing for them. Or there's a big moment for, for Di Marco over there. Remember in 2003, by the way, Milan won it. Yeah, Keep that yeah. In mind. And, and the, against Juve in the, were, the Champions League final. Yeah, there was absolute mayhem in that match there's that famous Rui Costa photo by Materazzi is it oh, yeah yes, Materazzi yes, yes, there's yes. that really cool photo and um, the game for in the first few minutes I had to stop the game because the amount of flares that there were around yeah. the stadium it's going to be similar <laughs> because uh, a derby della Madonnina and the Champions League final especially when Italian football has been on the back burner of the European stage for so long this is going to be massive yeah. it's going to be massive and if you have plans for the love of God cancel them Yes. Cancel them. Cancel them. Um, a point I have over here, bro. Malik Chow. In my opinion, take note, bookmark this, as they say. Um, he will be scoring five goals a season one day, minimum. Because of his aerial prowess? Yes, bro. He's getting... He's getting on, on those headers you know at yeah. the end of corners he's heading the ball he's not hitting the target right now but he's still very young he's massive he's clearly got the instinct and the positional awareness all he has to do is work on that accuracy and bro he's going to become a goal scoring centre back no, I, I, I have no doubt man I have no doubt the guy is rapidly improving even I was a bit concerned when um, Milan shifted back to a four at the back formation with two centre backs rather than the three centre backs that Chao would start getting faded out but when he, whenever he comes on so professional he's always on bro he's always on he's always on even when he's off he's on that's not our intro that's me topping up hey top me up you need some yes please let's go thank you so my next point Mm -hmm. was about Theo Hernandez and how he's the best left back in the world but I don't think that needs much much debate right Theo Hernandez being the best left back in the world yeah I mean at the moment I don't think many come close I mean to me, I do believe it's Theo that that's the number one yeah. left back in the world. Now, when when you look across the world in that position, um, people might argue that like Alfonso Davies, Alfonso Davies, like so, but yeah, I, I would say a lot depending on where he's playing. Yeah, or or if he's playing, yeah, or if he's, playing. he's the the king of beef. Yeah, um, but I, I would say I would say left back Theo clears most left backs, especially when you look at. Just how much he brings to a team. Yeah. Defensively sound, offensively devastating. Yeah. Street smart, gets players sent off. Well, controls the tempo of the game. He does by winning fouls, lying on the floor. You know, it's a little bit dirty, but but it's good to have on your team. You need players like Absolutely. that. Absolutely, I would hate him if he were yeah. at Inter or something, bro. I would hate him as a Milan fan. Definitely. Um, Lazio, bro have bottled that gap they had strived for. No, they were like second at a point and Napoli were like, oh my God, we have to be careful. Lazio are coming. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, Lazio never came. Um, remember the scenes against Roma a few weeks ago? It yeah. was like they won the league yeah. when, when they beat Roma. Yeah. Bro, they're risking it right now. They, they might understand. even slip out of top four when you look at the man. You look man. at the table right now. They're, they're on 64. Yeah. Are on, so they're in third. So Juve are on 66 and second. 
Lazio are in third on 64, Inter fourth on 63, Milan fifth on 61, Atalanta and Roma on sixth and seventh, both on 58 points. Yeah, in the top seven, they have the most losses in their last five matches. Three. There you go. Yeah. There you so go. So Lazio need to be very, very careful over here as they continue to slip and slip and slip. Now, the last point I'd like to make is about Zlatan Ibrahimovic, who is apparently close to Monza. Um, he most likely will not be renewing with Milan because, of, of course, his injury problems. It's becoming a little bit depressing. Yeah. We're watching him like warm up to come on and we're all excited. Oh, it's Zlatan. He's coming on and boom, he takes another injury. Now, mad yeah. respect to Zlatan, of course. He's uh, one of the main reasons that uh, Milan are back to where they are. He brought this mentality with him and he instilled it into these youngsters. These youngsters are so hungry because of him. Yeah. He, and a timeless, yeah. timeless player. One of the greatest strikers of all time. Don't get it yeah. twisted. And, and I mean, in our generation over the past 15 years, he almost clears anyone in that discussion, Zlatan Ibrahimovic. The numbers do not They lie. don't lie. They don't lie. Monza would be his 10th club. So, Jesus. So, yeah. Um, let's see. That would be, that would be pretty That'd cool. Be cool. And let's be real. If he scores two goals, he already outscores Pethania. <laughs> <laughs> so, That's <yeah>. true. <laughs> but yes, bro. Um, that is it. I don't know if there's anything you'd like to add about this one. No, bro. Your analysis was close to perfect. Thank you, brother. Um, so, Milan currently sit in fifth with 61 points. Just two points off of top four. As Lazio sit in third with 64 points. So, <coughs> pardon me, Whoa. over there we saw the city of Rome visit the city of Milan. In this game, we're seeing the city of Milan visit the city of Rome. It was Roma nil Inter 2. The previous encounter was a victory for Roma away from home with the score of two goals to one. Now, there were only two points separating fourth-placed Inter from Roma, Milan and Atalanta going into this weekend, so it was a huge clash for the Champions League places. The hosts were missing Stefan El Sharawi, Chris Smalling, Diego Lorente, Marash Kumbulla, Rick Karsdorp and suspended Zeki Celik. But Matic returned from his ban. Paolo Dybala and Gini Wijnaldum were at best fit for the bench, while Robin Gossens, D'Ambrosio and Skriniar didn't make the trip. Lautaro Martinez was rested ahead of the Champions League semi-final. Roma lined up in their 3-4-1-1 formation with Rui Patricio on goal and the backline of Ibanez, Cristante and Mancini. Spinazzola played out on the left and Zalewski played out on the right with Bove, Matic and Camara forming the midfield three. Bellotti started just ahead of Lorenzo Pellegrini. For Inter, it was their 3-5-2 formation with Onana and goal and the backline of Darmian, Acerbi and Bastoni. They had Dumfries out on the right and Di Marco out on the left with Barella, Brozovic and Chalanoglu forming the midfield three with Correa alongside Lukaku up front. Now, Roma had the first chance of the game as Pellegrini struck a half volley from outside the box requiring a fingertip save by Onana. But then, in the 33rd minute, Brozovic exposed Spinazzola's poor positioning as Dumfries was played through on the right. He found Marco with a low ball across goal, who squeezed it in from a tight angle with a helping hand from Brian Cristante. 
Onana was once again called to action in the 56th minute after Roger Ibanez hit the ball on the turn, but the keeper in form got a touch to it. Now, both of these saves of Onana, it's debatable whether he got a touch to them or yeah. not. <laughs> but good saves nonetheless. Yeah. Um, According to who scored, he made three saves this game, so I'm, I'm sure I'm, I'm guessing they counted. Them. Yeah, those are two of them, I guess. Yeah. In the 73rd minute, Inter made it too. This one was one of those Ibanez mistake ones, bro. Um, he carelessly dealt with a bouncing ball um, uh, hit it straight into Lautaro who played Lukaku through and Lukaku finished like the guy we remember a couple seasons back first time hard low slotted perfectly into the bottom corner pure composure pure confidence that's the Lukaku we know yes yes in the 86th minute, Lautaro looked for the top corner, but was met by the crossbar. It would have been a lovely goal. So Roma nil, Inter 2. What are your thoughts on the game, brother? I thought Roma made it a little bit too easy, bro, for Inter over here. I didn't think they turned up at all. Now, granted, they're riddled with injuries and it's not getting any better for them as people's bodies just keep dropping. You look at the players they brought on over here so they've st- they started Bove and Kamara like, yeah. like in the middle two youngsters Zalewski at the end of the day was a revelation of this mm. season as well he started as three yeah. youngsters in the starting 11 Cristante at centre back bro Cristante playing makeshift centre back you look at Tahirovic Pisilli Missouri these guys were all brought in like who? Hey, that's hilarious, <laughs> yeah. man. Um, so it's a little bit, it's, it's a shame to see Roma um, dipping like this, but um, I'm sure the other teams fighting for top four are, are grinning from year to year, right? Absolutely, man. The point on Lukaku, bro. Um, Lukaku, as we've said many times, is a super emotional striker. Um, just uh, many strikers tend to be that way. Yeah. I mean, Gonzalo Higuain, for example, off the top of my head. Uh, Morata, another one. Yeah. Um, when he's scoring, he looks great. The second he goes on a bit of a spell, he he starts to dip, bro. And and it's it's devastating how much he declines when he's not scoring, especially at the moment. Yeah, he hasn't had an easy time, especially, brother, don't forget that terrible performance he had for Belgium in the World Cup that sent his country That's crashing home. No? That, that requires a lot of therapy. Oh, man, that would be devastating for him. Yeah. For, for him to turn it around, okay... Too little, too late in inverted commas. It might not be too little, too late because for all we know, he could win them the Champions League. They could get Champions League because of him. Um, He could still be a very crucial part of their season. In fact, now he's got three goals and three assists in his last four outings for Inter, reaching his best form at the perfect Mm, time. So all that stick he got... It might turn around now. Yes, uh, it was particularly difficult because he left his country down and the rest of the world was laughing at him. So, yeah. no allies. Um, you look at Denzel Dumfries, by the way, as a player I wanted to highlight. He's really come into form and it seems like he's been training extra hard. No, potentially something is on his mind. No, perhaps something in the coming days, something that might that he might have to go through is, is motivating him to work a little bit harder. No? Something like facing a certain Theo Hernandez yes, in the Champions bro, League yes. semi-final. Um, it's safe to say it's that um, Theo Hernandez gets the best of Denzel Dumfries yeah. most of the time. Yeah, and the only time Dumfries seemed to get the best of Theo, Theo just brought him down and got sent yeah. off. You remember that? <laughs> exactly. That was, yeah. that was something. Um, so, so, yes, that's going to be a clash. It's always fun watching these guys go like face off. Yeah. Head. 
So so we'll see. Dumfries on good form. We'll see if he can mm. if he can um, contain Theo Hernandez. Let me make a, a weird reference, but I'm sure most people listening will get it. You know how um, in GTA you throw a grenade under a car, you walk away from the car and hit R3 to <laughs> to view your character walking yeah. away from the car and seeing the explosion behind him. That's how Theo felt when he got when oh, when he yes. sent Dumfries off Definitely. in that game. As the Lonely Island once said, cool guys don't look at explosions. Was that the Lonely Island? No, it wasn't it the was Lonely the Island. Island. Absolutely yeah. not. That's it, a classic song, I believe. No, bro, it was the Lonely Island. Was Do you think it was Island? by Jimi Hendrix? I, mean, <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was an early 2000s hit. No, like. bro, cool guys don't look at explosions. Song by the Lonely Island. Oh, God. God, Jake won Matt Nill in this there one. There we go. But you're out here talking about Denzel Dumfries out on the right shift the focus to the left brother DeMarco what a player four goals and four assists this season in Serie A and he also has a goal against Juve in Inter's win in the Coppa Italia semi-finals now he also has two goals against Roma this season this was his second goal of the season against Roma he has a goal against Milan and a goal against Bologna so always contributing um, to his team and then the, the goals and the assists come in the biggest stages for DeMarco man he's the Second best left back in the league. Yes, bro. Um, if you don't count Kostic, I would say. Oh, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, but he's like yeah. a left wing back. Yeah. But, yeah. So, um, well, so is, so De- is DeMarco. DeMarco's got a fucking sweet left foot. He's got a, an incredible work rate and a, a big personality. Yeah. And I, I do envision him as a potential Inter captain in the future. Yeah, man. Yeah, well, in the beginning, Inter fans hated him while we were raving about him. That's back when they were playing him centre-back, doing this and that. Everyone's calling him clumsy. We saw this guy at Hellas Verona, bro. He's a super player. Yeah, yeah. Roger Ibanez has once again given Roma a jolly good Rogering, and this time, as a result, it's looking unlikely that they'll get Champions League. Roger Ibanez, he's out in the summer. Yeah, probably. you don't make those three mistakes: two in the derby, the the Roma derby, and then one against Inter in almost a do or die situation. Not under Mourinho's watch, bro. Yeah, not uh, under Mourinho's watch. He most certainly has to pay anytime he goes to a restaurant. Hundred percent, hundred. No one's giving him a meal for free. <laughs> yeah, <No. laughs> I mean. Mourinho will miss him for the set piece routines where he yeah. really knows how to utilize Ibanez. He's typically at the near post, either fainting a run yeah. or getting a flick on at the near post for one of the bigger boys at the back. Um, but yeah, what is it about him on the big stages, man? The opposite. I think of when the you Marco. when you make one mistake, this is what we're talking about when we're talking about Pierre Kalulu, who's kind mm. of dipped a little bit in form. Yeah, when you burst into the scene. And you're playing pretty much flawlessly. You get this kind of invincible mentality where mm-hmm. you think it's impossible for me to make a mistake. All I do is good things. No, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, simple as it sounds, it's completely through the psychology of of the mind. No, it's it's um, the things are going well. Therefore, you in, you manifest things to go well. Yeah. When you make one mistake, that mistake will dwell on you. Yeah, there's no. It's not a coincidence that Abanez tends to make mistakes in the derby, for example. He's probably so mm. nervous. It's probably on at the back of his mind, and probably in these situations where he gets the ball and he needs to clear it immediately. For mm. example, he he hesitates that split second. Yeah, that, that moment of doubt could fuck him completely. Yeah, man. Yeah, and and I mean. Typically, the mistakes do come from him either holding the ball for too long at the back before mm-hmm. like slipping or, or, or misplacing a pass. 
in this one the ball was floating in front of him he had to make a decision and he, he must have been caught between two minds for him to play the ball that directly to Lautaro Martinez I I sympathize for for Roger Ibanez, but I don't think his place would be on the big stages if he can't perform in the big it stages. It could be as simple as association, no, uh, maybe a new environment and a good yeah. start in a new environment will help him to um, dispel these negative um, thoughts or habits that he has yeah. Um, developed. Yeah. But Inter are once again back on it, brother, as they typically are towards the end of the season. Now they face Milan after some very convincing victories. They beat Hellas Verona 6-0. They beat Roma 2-0. And now they play Milan midweek in the Derby della Madonnina. Um, very exciting stuff for Inter, for Milan, for Italian football fans around the world. Inter are in fourth on 63 points, while Roma are in seventh on 58 points. They could still get Europe. Um, they, well, they will definitely get Europe. But is that going to be the Conference League? Is that going to be the Europa League? Or is it going to be the Champions League? Yes, with 12 points up for grabs, anything could happen. Atalanta nil, Juve 2. Another clash for top four as Atalanta failed to crack a stern Juventus defense and concede to an unlikely wild card. <laughs> I wonder what's going to happen here. <laughs> Atalanta and Juve have drawn in 43 of their 121 previous Serie A matches with 65 Juventus victories and 13 Atalanta victories. Atalanta have only registered more draws against Milan in the top flight. So they have 44 draws against Milan and 43 draws against Juventus. Safe yes. to say that Atalanta have become a little bit of a bogey team for Juventus, nicking points of them. We've seen that Malinowski free kick, for example, that was, that was an amazing goal last yeah. season. yeah. Atalanta were unbeaten in their previous six league matches against Juventus with two victories and four draws. There's the bogey team. Yeah. In their history in Serie A, Atalanta have never recorded a longer streak without losing against Juventus. There was also a streak between 1963 and 1966 where they managed six unbeaten games. For Gasperini, it was a 3-4-2-1 formation with Sportiello and goal. Scalvini, Jim City and Toloi were at the back with Joaquim Mele out on the left and the money ball King <laughs> Zappacosta out on the right Ederson and Derun were the midfield double pivot with Coop Miners and Pasalic playing off the shoulders the very broad shoulders of Duvan Zapata <laughs> for Al the bull for Allegri it was a 3-5-1-1 formation um, with Chesney in goal Sandro Rugani and Danilo were at the back with Quadrado on the right and Ealing Jr. on his left getting his first start for Juventus over here Rabiola Catelli and Fagioli were in the middle with Di Maria playing behind Milik now the game started um, in Atalanta's favour Scalvini actually had a header that hit um, that hit the post from a corner. Um, there was a big miss for Pasalic at the end of the first half as he skied a clear opportunity on the penalty spot. Not from the penalty spot, but on the penalty spot. Meaning it wasn't a penalty, but he was in that position. Um, I overthought that a lot while, while, while freezing. I didn't notice. Yeah. <laughs> in the 56th minute, Iling Jr. was fouled. But got up and continued to charge forward. Not something you see very often right nowadays. No. And he drove forward. He played the ball to Rabio, who found Milik in a scuffle with a defender. And Milik managed to lay it off to Illing Jr. The ball fell kindly to him and Illing Jr. just hoofed it in 
a goal on his first full debut. What dreams are made of, brother. That is what dreams are made of, indeed. In the 74th minute, Coop Miners forced Chesney into a save off a free kick routine identical to Danilo's goal in the reverse fixture, mm. actually, where they lay it off, a similar position and everything. Mm. But this time, Chesney actually managed to save it. Zappa Costa hit the post with a long-range thunderbolt shortly after. In the 97th minute, there was a 3v2 situation on the counter for Juventus, as Atalanta players didn't even bother to track back, to be honest. Um, um, Vlaovic decided to do it himself after missing an opportunity a few moments later out on the left one on by the goalkeeper and um, this time he was on the right and he went for the top right corner um, his second goal in his second game for the Serbian he's back maybe he's back <laughs> indeed perhaps um, but word on the street is that he's not a fan of Allegri and neither is half the team so yeah. we'll see what happens there <laughs> looking at the rumours that um, Juventus by the way could have a new sporting director uh, it's quite interesting because the sporting director thereafter is Cristiano Guintoli. And Qu- Cristiano Guintoli is the sporting director of Napoli. Napoli, yeah, yes. I saw that. And they and want him. Apparently they, he's a super sporting director. This they guy. also, well, I mean, yeah, we you can look see at it. what he achieved yeah. now. Um, and, and they always got good players, Napoli. They always, they were always good in the market. Yeah. Um, they were also after Massara. Oh yes, they were. So you and were Mas- really headhunting. Yeah, right? no. they they. But Massara turned them down. Um, got but to he love met him. them. Huh? He, he met them. Eh? Yeah, yeah, I saw that. Them. I saw that. But Maldini would have just slapped him in the back of the head once, and then would have been sorted. Exactly. Well, that was not very smooth um, so yes bro you've uh, beat a bogey team over here quite comfortably to be honest um, Atalanta mm. really couldn't crack them and this is such a different Atalanta side to what we're used to right we always say this um, the fact that most of their chances came through set pieces that's not the Atalanta we remember we remember Atalanta being an open play demon yeah down the throat it's just Yes, fucking Mandingo. Yeah. Well, to to be fair, you've allowed them quite a bit of that. Um, in fact, Atalanta had twenty four shots to Juve's ten. They hit the woodwork twice. Had one shot on target, and then um, they had thirteen shots off target, and and ten of them blocked. So they they had the ball a lot. Um, they had sixty percent ball possession. They shot a lot, um, but. Like A lot of shots Yeah But the only two That were really threatening Were the ones that hit the post Yeah They never get in those situations Where you're like Oh this has to be a goal Yeah 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 It's a a bunch of It's a bunch of half chances Um, Credit to Juve Because they did Organize themselves in, In that way Where they sat back and still didn't allow Atalanta any clear-cut opportunities. Um, also, probably doesn't help that you have both Cope Miners and Pasalic playing behind Zapata. There's a significant lack of attacking prowess over there. You've of got flair. There's no flair. Of flair. Yeah. You've got two very, very street-smart players, two of the smartest players in the league in Cope Miners and Pasalic. But with Zapata up ahead of them, who's been kind of streaky. Well, he's been very streaky. He managed uh, the goal this, before this. His yeah. first in fucking ages. Yes, first in five months it was. And it was a, a great goal as well. But he is also lacking that pace that he yeah, had. Sure. He's also lacking that killer instinct. So him paired with, with those two players who aren't really direct. Um, yeah, I, I don't know if that was the ideal setup for them in this game. Yeah, no, totally. Um, especially when you have Danilo, who's 
such a good defender. And and, and Rugani, who really stepped up to with this game. Yeah, Rugani had a good game. Rugani looked good. Rugani yeah. looked good. Um, Danilo wasn't always this good, man. Um, at Real Madrid, he wasn't great. And Real Madrid were, were looking to get him out as soon as possible. Um, at Juve, in the beginning, he was very on and off, especially when he was playing at right back. But mm. I think he's found his place as a centre-back in a back three. And he's a leader, man. He is. He's a leader. When the going gets tough, Danilo gets good. Going. Yes, sir. Yes, bro. Um, Atalanta really messed up their opportunity. Of course, there are still 12 points to to play for, 12 points up for grabs. Um, but they've really shot themselves in the foot over here against a team that they have actually managed to get something out of in the last few fixtures. Um, Juventus are currently in second with 66 points. Well, Atalanta are in sixth with 58 points. Now, um, Juventus, apparently, the, the appeal is rumoured to be... Um, not the appeal, sorry. The, the punishment is rumoured to be minus nine. Okay. Um, as was the official... Um, that's what they officially said the punishment was going to be minus nine points. Now, there's a whole discussion whether it's going to be this season or next season. And it's still to be seen what happens with the whole um, money under the table situation. Yeah. But yes, that's all politi- political. It's all fucking boring article this, article that. Fucking don't care. Like, we'll, we'll see what happens um, right now. What I'm seeing is that you've are second in the league with 66 points and we'll stop there. Exactly. Okay. Bravo. The next game we're going to be covering is Napoli 1, Fiorentina 0. Not much to play for for Napoli after they won the league, but, you know, nice little kickabout against a very tough opponent. Um, the previous fixture resulted in a 0-0 draw between the two sides. Now, the title was secured with a 1-1 draw away to Udinese on Thursday for Napoli, so this was the first opportunity to enjoy the moment together with their fans at the Stadio Maradona. Mario Rui was out injured while the Viola missed Artur Cabral and the suspended Lucas Martinez Quarta, but Fiorentina welcomed the new champions of Italy with a guard of (laughs) honour. Jake just yawned mightily into the microphone. (laughs) Did you hear it? I'd let me know <laughs> you can comment down below on Spotify guys <laughs> <laughs> what do you think of this podcast Jake Yon in the uh, 48th minute yeah it's Golini you remember Golini Golini Golorius he's a rapper yes he played between the sticks for Napoli in this game as they started in their 4-3-3 formation they played with Di Lorenzo out on the right Oliveira out on the left and um, Kim alongside Ostegaard as the two centre-backs. Elmas, Demme and Anguissa played as the three central midfielders. Raspadori out on the left, Lozano out on the right and Ossiman down the middle. You, you could tell that Napoli won the league because half of these names I hadn't seen <laughs> all season. They always play the same. Yeah, <laughs> the same 11 true. players, except sometimes they switch out Politano and, and Lozano. True. But whatever. Um... Fiorentina and their 4-2-3-1 formation had Terracciano on goal on the backline of Dodo, Milenkovic, Igor and Terzic. Had Amrabat and Duncan in the double pivot. Nico Gonzalez out on the right, Sotil out on the left and Bonaventura sitting behind Jovic. Now Golini dropped down well to deny Jovic's header in the 14th. Moments later, Ostegaard held the ball at the back for far too long before slipping when it was his time to make a decision. 
Jovic took the ball, but could only take it to a tight angle, and he failed to put it past Gollini. He fucked it so bad, I didn't even think he was going to get the shot off, but he did, so yeah, he, yeah, he almost yeah. savaged it. Yeah. Just as the second half got underway, Fiorentina tried to play the ball at the back, which resulted in Terracciano's pass to Amrabat being tracked down by Lobotka, who was wrestled to the ground by Amrabat. Penalty to Napoli. Osimhen stepped up and was denied by a fine Terracciano save, who even denied Kim's follow-up. Terracciano from the spot, bro. Yeah. Very reliable keeper to have. Yeah, totally. In the 72nd minute, Napoli were awarded another penalty as Nico Gonzalez tripped up Guevara, who was working his way into a dangerous area. The way he does, cuts in, cuts out a little bit. And, you know, Gonzalez ended up tripping him up. 73rd minute, take some big cojones for Ozyman to step up once again. The Nigerian stepped up and managed to redeem himself, going the same route with Terracciano going the other way. Yes, sir. Yes. Um, it's ma- many things I want to highlight. Okay. Um, I'll start, first of all, by saying that nothing personal but subtle, I hate you. Well, okay. <laughs> I hate him. Why? Because subtle He's being just back fit, from injury. Exactly. Anyway. Subtle being fit and playing again means we're seeing less and less and less of Saponara. Oh, that's true. And then I don't blame Italiano and it makes perfect sense for Subtle to be playing. You know, Subtle at the end of the day is what, um, 20, 23 years old. He's mm. 23 years old, right? You look at Saponara, Saponara's 20, oh, 31 years old. So it makes sense for them to be focusing on their younger yeah. products, products that actually still have some value. Um, but, you know, I just enjoy watching Saponara so much that, um, of course, anyone who takes his place is immediately in my bad books. Yeah. <laughs> um, yes. Another point I would like to make is Amrabat. Now, Amrabat is a player... I'm, I'm a massive fan Oof, of Amrabat, and I've been a massive fan since before the World Cup and his massive performances for, for Marco, of course, since his Hellas Verona days we're talking about. They listen yeah. to season one, episode yeah. one, they'll know how much we Exactly, him. there we go. Yeah, yeah, check. Um, <laughs> but, 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 it, it must be said that he... Dipped. He has dipped. He has performances. Have he's dip. making mistakes. He's error prone. Now, when you look at a player who's 26 years old and Sofian Amrabat, like this, a 50 million offer comes in, he's not totally irreplaceable. You know, for 50 million, they might want to cash in. Like, mm. You know, from, mm. when you have a good World Cup, people pay. Yes, bro. Yes. Like, Your market value doubles off. Yeah. Good I wouldn't World be surprised Cup. if like a 50, 60 million offer came in for, for Amrabat. From and, like Liverpool. Yeah, exactly. And in that case, yeah. Fiorentina would be wise to, to part ways with him simply because of the business side of it. Mm. Um, now nothing against him of course personally or his footballing ability he's an incredible player but just he's his price is high right now yes and and I mean that that's the thing we're always talking about ah this player is good this player is good this player is good the second a pundit calls him good or the second someone in the Premier League deems him good he's at least 60 million yeah that's the way the market works nowadays now Amrabat Sure, he's having a bit of a, a bit of a tougher spell than he typically would. He was one of the most reliable midfielders in the league. His passing, his tackling, where he holds the ball, creates space, gorgeous footballer. Um, sure, he's had four or five bad games. Um, this, I, I wouldn't even say it was a terrible game no, for him. Terracciano's pass was br- ridiculously weak, which mm. Amrabat had no other choice, essentially. Um 
But I wouldn't let him go if I were Fiorentina. Most well, if of it's, the play if it's goes to 60 through million, him. Yes, he's the metronome. He can build up play and he can also break down play very mm. well. Um, but like right now, Amrabat is hot. Um, you look at the player who plays in his role, Frank Kessie. Mm. Frank Kessie plays for Barcelona now. He's had a pretty good first season, no? Um, Barcelona need to sell to to improve their finances, balance their books a little bit. They're in a little bit of a yeah. financial shithole right now. Um, what, what a good piece of business it would be if they sold Amrabat for like 50 million and brought mm. in Kessie for 30, for example. Yeah. That, that would be incredible business, you know? Yeah, that, that would be very good business. It's just... Obviously, with the example that you're using, it it'd be hard for Kessie to budge on salary. Yeah, we know how he is, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and we probably know how well Barca are paying him. This, despite this this apparent financial crisis that they're going through in the Spotify camp, new and the, the, the which has become a wedding venue now because they're yes, so people under. Are getting married there. People are getting married there, bro. Mm. Um, that's the wedding we're going to on Sunday. Yeah. Um, but they're p- paying their players fucking millions. They're signing players for millions. So I can't quite, I can't quite understand that. Yeah. But yes, that would be a lovely piece of business. All right. Oh yeah, sorry. It was <laughs> it, it was my game. Um, so I've seen people make claim about this Napoli side, particularly before they lost, you know, to Lazio, before they lost to Inter, before they lost to Milan this season. Some serious claim being made saying that they are among the best champions in Serie A history. Now, yeah. I'm not even going to ask you if they're the best champions in Serie A history because they're, they're not. Mm. Um, but where do they rank? Are they, are they should it be debated? Um, the thing is, how are you measuring it? If, uh, if story-wise... Perhaps story wise, it's up there. Story wise, yes. Um, if you look at quality, if you look at simply statistically, Juve had the best side over it mm-hmm. when they when they broke the the points tally with like a hundred something points. I'm saying it. starting eleven, like starting, starting 11, eleven in full uh, form. No, like no, not the, the best, not the best. I mean, I mean, you look at the the nineties and the eighties in Serie A, man. Milan uh, in the nineties yeah, and the early it, it was wild. Like, like we were, bro, we were just come back then yeah like we don't remember you know just come you were just come but there were so many good teams right everyone talks about them you have the the Gullits and the Rijkaards and the Baresis and and then later on you have have the Shevchenkos oh come on but we've got the 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 we witnessed the Perlos the Seydors the Shevchenkos we've witnessed Inter winning the treble for example we've witnessed Juve who for example how could how could let me just make this point Juve win eight or nine forgot how much it was fucking trauma scudetti in a row and they're not considered to be the greatest champions yeah nine in a row il grande torino (laughs) had like nine of their starting 11 or 10 of their starting Ten. 11 all starters for the Italian I believe the goalkeeper was foreign <laughs> <laughs> yeah no so it would be extremely reactionary sensational to say to say that this team is the greatest mm. team to ever win the league mm. like, come on they're fucking powerful they're great they're scary Farah Osimen, Lobotka Zielinski Kim but yeah come on 
They, they, they shouldn't be compared to the Juve that won nine in a row, for example. Yeah. Um, are they better than the Milan of last year? Are they better Individually? than the Inter, Inter of the year before as a side? Yes. Probably. Yes. I would say yes. so. True. But they wouldn't be better than Juve. Yeah. Um, it's their first match back at the Maradona since mathematically being crowned champions and the parade ensued, which included... Tommaso Starace as the heart of the party. Now, bro, who is this guy? Starace first walked through Napoli's doors in 1977, beginning life in the kitchens of their city center headquarters before moving to the kit room in 1986. He's remained there ever since, though nobody is quite sure what his exact role is. He makes espressos for people. Yeah, he's the kit man, apparently. Makes people laugh. Now, Depending on who you ask, like Jake, you might be told he's the kit man, the barista, a friend, the heartbeat of the club. The truth is, he is all of those things. Each morning, Tommaso Starace wakes up at 6 a.m. to begin his 85-kilometer journey from his home to Napoli's Castel Volturno training ground. Dedication, dedication, dedication. And brother, you watch clips of these champions, these these stars and, and millionaires surrounding him, lifting him in the yeah. air, hugging him, kissing him. He's lifting Lotito and, yeah. and Lotito, Madonna, no. right? <laughs> De Laurentiis. De yeah, he lifted them off the ground. him off the ground and celebrating. This guy remembers when... Napoli won their two Scudetti with Maradona. He's been around for that long. And, and, and now he gets to witness this with the same club. That yeah. loyalty all, all around just to look after their people. They kept this guy there for, for that long. And the guy keeps on making the trip every day, 85 kilometers, every day, every day, every day. What a beautiful, beautiful fucking story, man. It is an amazing story. I love that they have this guy with a heart of gold, a massive personality, and they just keep him there. And, you know, they give him work and he rewards them by, mm. by keeping the, the dressing room together. He, he, makes, he makes coffees Every, for the opponents. Yeah. He makes coffees for the team. He said anyone who steps foot in the Maradona gets a coffee from him. <laughs> what a anyone. guy. What a guy. <laughs> what a guy. Yeah. You were saying how they look after him. It's very mafia of Napoli. You yeah, know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, if, yeah. if you're against them, you're petrified of them. If you're one of them, you're fucking one of them. Yeah. This guy um, is responsible for that really weird Dries Mertens celebration <laughs> where he dances and sticks his tongue out. Because that's what this guy does. He, he dances and sticks his tongue out um, a little bit bit too much it's a bit a bit weird um, but, <laughs> but yes he seems like a great guy the players love did you see raspadori and those men's faces yeah. <laughs> watching him they're gonna they're dying like, bro like, like they saw their kid take, take his first steps yeah. like how happy they looked that was yeah. brilliant man he's great he gets to enjoy the party with napoli as they are on 83 points mathematically champions while fiorentina chilling in eighth place level on points with here we go. Monza, Udinese, and Torino, all on 46 points. The next game we're going to be discussing is the Derby dell'Emilia-Romagna. Um, it is Sassuolo 1, Bologna 1. Now, Sassuolo had won four of their previous seven Serie A games against Empoli with one draw and two losses. 
after no wins in their previous seven, two draws and five losses. Bologna have scored in all nine of their away Serie A games against Sassuolo, their best 100% record on the road against any side in the competition. It's a good one to place a bet on. Hmm. Mayhaps, but um, we did place a bet on it, bro. Yes, very <laughs> clever one. Um, how do you pronounce T R O Y E S? Say it again. T R O Y E S. Troyes. Troyes. I would guess they're they're a French team. So Troyes. Troy. Tron. Okay, let's call them Tron. Only Tron <laughs> have dropped more points from winning positions than Bologna in the big five European leagues this season. Oh. And Bologna have dropped 24, level with Leicester, oh. and the Tron have dropped 25. <laughs> <laughs> no. Listen to this statistic, bro. Mm. I, I hope Mintoff's listening right now. Domenico Berardi. Is one of the two players, along with Antoine Griezmann, with more than five goals and five assists in the big five European leagues in 2023. He's got seven goals and six assists. Massive, massive, massive. Now, but, but the Milan chats don't like him and don't want about Milan. No, he's not, <laughs> he's not sexy enough. He doesn't, he doesn't play that flashy brand, I guess. Mm. Sassuolo have... Have fucking fans nowadays I might as well fix the sentence as well have fans nowadays um, did you notice we, we noticed together we noticed around like and Mintoff mentioned it a couple of episodes ago mm. that, they, that they opened a new kind of section they actually have fans like mm. people in the stadium were chanting the player's name when he scored yeah yeah I saw like 80 of them yeah it was crazy <laughs> crazy <laughs> no apparently uh, 13,600 fans in attendance most of them definitely Bologna. Yes, for sure. Um, but it's good to see a number of people turning up for this game for Sassuolo. Yes. Hopefully more, because let's be real, Sassuolo aren't a huge team and they're in Serie A consistently and they're doing well. And they have a nice little project. They always have Absolutely, valuable players. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. It was a 4-3-3 for Alessio Dionisi's men with Consigli in goal, Rogerio as the left back and Tolian as the right back, just as it's been for the past 300 years. <laughs> Juan and Erlich were at the back with Enrique, Lopez and Fratesi in the middle by... Rami out on the left, excuse me. Berardi on the right and the frill as a striker. I'm not quite done. Give me a sec. <laughs> you clean up All that right. vomit from yeah. the floor. <laughs> Got the fuck up. That did not happen, guys. Skorupski was in goal for Bologna. Thiago Motta lined up the 4-2-3-1 formation. Posh was on the right with Cambiazo on the left. Lukumi and Bonifazi were at the back. Shouten and Dominguez formed the double pivot with Orsolini out on the right. Musa Barro out on the left and Ferguson playing behind. Arbisher up front. Very versatile Arbisher. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. In the 14th minute, Domenico Berardi got the ball on the corner of the box. He shimmied a couple of times, convincing Cambiazo and everyone in the stadium that he was going to cut inside, but he took the ball on the outside instead on his right foot and he shot it in. What a goal by Mimmo Berardi in the 15th minute. Technically a Gregoire de Frel assist, but he hardly yeah. did anything. Literally. In the 42nd minute, it was Nicolas Martin Dominguez's turn to steal the show. He curled in a gorgeous shot from just outside the area. 1-1. One, one. Two amazing goals in this derby, man. Two amazing goals and it pretty much ended there. We saw um, Marco Arnautovic come on 
for for um, Bologna and he played quite a good game. Yeah. He showed flashes, flashes of what he of can brilliance, do. He yeah. looked fit. He looked sharp. He looked it, on it. Um, it he didn't look old at all. You mm. know that that's a criticism that he often gets. Um, yeah. So Swallow caught flat-footed a couple of times. Could have done something, but the, the players didn't didn't attack the ball enough. And that could be said for Bologna too. I think one one was a fair result over here, and I don't think either team would be too disappointed with this. What do you think, brother? I don't think so. I think both teams find themselves in this kind of blessed um, position. They're both, you know, fighting for that top 10 spot. But the question is, how hungry are they for that top 10 spot? I mean, Sassuolo are on 43 points in 13th and Bologna two points ahead of them in 12th on 45. And then it's one, two, three, four teams on, on 46 points. So... It's up for grabs. It's just how much of a priority is it? I think they look at this game plus the fixtures that they have left and they would say, okay, in this derby, let's secure a point yeah. kind of thing. Um, I think they're playing the long game over here. I don't think either of the teams looked so hungry for it, but an entertaining derby nonetheless. Definitely. It most certainly was. Um, so Swallow currently sit in 13th with 44 points as Bologna sit in 10th with 46 points. The next game we're going to be covering is Torino 1, Monza 1. The previous encounter was an away victory for Torino with a score of two goals to one. This was a head-to-head for ninth place, speaking of top 10 battles, as they were both on 45 points alongside Bologna. Singo was suspended with Shores joining Nemanja Radonjic, Olaina and Ronaldo Vieira and David Zima on the treatment table. Monza missed Andrea Colpani with a muscular issue and coach Raffaele Palladino sat out a touchline ban following their fiery draw with Roma. Torino started in their 3-4-2-1 formation with Milinkovic, Savic in goal and the backline of Rodriguez, Bongiorna and Gigi. Vojvoda was out on the left and Lazaro was out on the right and Illich and Ricci formed the midfield too. Vlasic and Miranchuk played behind Tony Sanabria. Buongiorno, Gigi indeed. <laughs> For Monza, it was the 3-4-2-1 formation also. Um, Di Gregorio on goal on the backline of Itzomari and Calderolla. They had Ban- sorry Birindelli out on the right and Carlos Augusto out on the left with Machine and Pessina forming midfield too. Then Churi and Mota playing behind Valotti up front. Mota has proven to be such a useful player for them. Eh? He really has been because he offers something so different to to, to Petania. Yeah. Um, uh, and and this time he he played behind Valotti, so he's proving to be quite um, versatile as well. Yeah. I thought I don't know if I said this in the last episode, but watching Mota and Serie last year, I thought this guy definitely isn't ready for Serie. Really? Yeah, because he he was one of those players that to me just looked good and bad at the same mm. time you, you know mm. you, you know the players that are yeah, the yeah, yeah. riches of this world yeah. Koda is another Koda. is another one of them Massimo Koda yeah I wouldn't say he ever looks bad though really no I, yeah, he's, I, I mean he's a Serie B player you yeah, know, you know, yeah. Like, no, I'd hope it sounds like I'm being a bit mean to him yeah. um, he, deserved, <laughs> he deserved to be in Serie A following what he did in Serie yeah. B last season but he was bizarrely um, uh, he, he moved club to another Serie B team and now we could yeah. see him back in Serie A but so. what, I, what I'm saying is this guy when he gets the ball he's either going to do something incredibly shit or something incredibly good mm. you know and Mota very much, was very much at least I think Fair. in Serie A he's playing it safer 
He's aware of, of the gravity of the situation. Perhaps in Seyabe, he thought, you know, we're doing well, we're running away, running away with it. They got they got promoted through the playoffs. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Um, perhaps he felt like he had more room for expression. Yeah, know? But perhaps. nowadays, maybe it's not the case in Serie A. Yeah. But please, bro, go on. Sorry to interrupt. That's fine. In the 45th minute, Sanabria opened the scoring through a Vlasic assist. He did very well after receiving the ball from Vlasic and finishing hard into the bottom corner from just inside the box. It's his 11th goal of the season Tony Sanabria just time after time proving to be that that guy for Torino Tony Tona 27 years old really establishing himself as a as a striker who scores goals dude and that's very important like he could he could be useful for Monza too come to think oh, of absolutely it. man that wouldn't be a bad signing for them yeah. um, in the 86th minute Monza managed to grab the equaliser it was look your classic Monza goal Petania holds the ball up well and lays it off to Caprari, who, curl, who curls it into the back of the net from outside the area. Petania, Caprari, typically you think the strikers getting the goals and the, the wingers getting the assist, yeah. but not for Monza. For Monza, it's the other way around. And, and fuck it, 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 it works. Yeah. Um, Torino cried out for a penalty in the 89th as Illich seemed to be handled down to the ground by Rovella, but the referee said nothing doing and the VAR team agreeing. Not too sure about that, bro. Not too sure about that. <laughs> I'm really not too sure about that. That did look a bit like a penalty to me. Yeah. Just a, a football lover. Um, now, this result, along with a few others, has really spiced up the race to top 10. Um, I've already referenced the table, so I, I won't do that again. But just how hungry would teams be for that 10th spot how different is 10th to 12th you know what i mean um look you're either in the top half or in the bottom half of the teams in the top division mm. i think it makes a, a massive difference if you finish 10th or if you finish 11th when it comes to pride more, more than anything else and when it comes to appeal it's it's more it's easier to pull players and say we finished at the top half of the table that was our objective last year now we want to push for europe as opposed mm. to saying, listen, we didn't finish in the top half, but we want to push for Europe. Mm. You know, it's yeah, it's as simple as that. It's small, but but nowadays these people are football players are where they are because they're highly competitive people. They're people who fucking hate mm. to lose. Overall, of course, I'm generalizing, but that seems to be the case. No, we we can see it quite yeah. clearly. Um, I think to them it would mean everything. Finishing above a rival who maybe, you know, they had a disagreement with on the pitch or like, you know, you look at the likes of, for example, Sassuolo and Bologna that want to finish above each other for sure. Or like the, the Torinos and Udinese who've been like in the same situation for a while, like as clubs that want to finish mm. above the other mm. one, in my mm. opinion. Yeah. I think out of the scenarios that you mentioned with fighting for Europe, fighting for the championship and fighting relegation, they've definitely got the least to play for. Um, uh, but but I agree with you wholeheartedly. I mean, you start. You, you want to set your goals before the season starts, and you yeah. say we need to finish tenth. Yeah, fucking, you you're gonna do everything you can to finish tenth. If you think you're finishing fifteenth and you find yourself in twelfth right now at one point, separating you from tenth, the hunger must be intense for that. So take take nothing away from these teams battling it out in the midfield of the table. Um, now Monza, who are definitely safe. From any form of, yes, of yes, relegation yes. They're, or, they're, or they're mathematically safe. Yeah. Um, now it was highlighted by Calcio e Finanza that because 
Monza or that have survived, they will now have to cough up around 45.7 million. Um, with a large part of this uh, due to various obligation to buy clauses that subject they have to survival, out. right? Yeah. So there was yeah. Pessina, Petania, Mari. Cranio and Caprari, who were all signed on loan deals with conditional obligation to buy clauses attached, all linked to avoiding relegation. So now all these clauses have been triggered. Now, you probably did the maths in your head and you said that's not 45.7 million. That's because a further 6.1 million needs to be paid to the squad and staff and bonuses, again, linked to avoiding (laughs) relegation. Yeah. So, so I think the the bittersweet, move, I guess. <laughs> the move for them is to maybe sell three players, two players, mm. and invest wisely. You know, mm. um, I think your books you can't afford to have your books misbalanced for a while. Perhaps you know they've got two goal, two great goalkeepers in Di Gregorio and Cranio. Just sell to the highest bidder, whatever who it is, whoever it may be. Di Gregorio, yeah. for example, is hot property right now, very hot property. Yeah. He's um, twenty five years old and he's top. Topkeeper mm. Carlos Augusto is also a very hot property as a left back, 24 years like, old as well. Yeah. Very good player, very, very good player. Mm. Um, Churia is another young little talent over there. Uh, young, he's 28 years old, but he's um, he's shown that he can actually put in a shift. Mm. Very versatile player, again, can be useful for many teams. So, yeah, they, yeah. they do have pieces they can actually make money from. Mm. Um, you so will we'll see how they how they approach this um, financial situation they find themselves, even if they don't make too many moves they've got a good team yeah yeah absolutely you know the only kind of not worry but but a, a concern might be out of these Pessina Petania Mari Cranio and Caprari I'm not seeing two names that's Sensi and Rovella um, especially Rovella was very important for Monza this season so either they'll get another loanee in or maybe they have some money to spend to get someone else in um, otherwise they still have the likes of for example Machin who has been very good this season mm-hmm. to play alongside Pessina um, but yeah we might see some more investments for I them think is it's- my point it's definitely the case that we're going to see investment. We're talking Berlusconi Galliani over here. I yeah. think this team will continue to strengthen and I'm sure they'll figure out this 40 million. I'm sure that for them, it's not even a problem right now. I'm sure that these guys are surrounded by gorgeous women right now drinking drinking some lovely expensive champagne. No, yeah. just not even celebrating their survival. No? Exactly. And, and trying to aim for that conference league next year because I'm pretty sure that that's what oh, they will do. Brother, I started laughing to myself when you when you were describing that Caprari and the Petania relationship. <laughs> um, do you remember when we were kids uh. and our family randomly brought a monument of our great grandfather and put it in the, in the garage, right? And in the garage, we had a goalpost drawn on the wall. Yeah. Um, and this monument, my something about our grandfather and tourism and whatever, we had a, a little yeah. monument, a monument, little monument, was fucking yeah. massive. Proud but it was there, family. it was in the basement. So Matt and I would come down to the basement. Matt would be in goal, because he was a goaler back then. Yeah. And I'd just not, kick the ball into the monument of my grandfather as he would lay it off to me and I'd just volley it every time. So I was essentially Caprari. My great-grandfather's monument was Petania and we were just fucking going to town, bro. 
It's funny, um, because there were the calculated passes that we used to get out of Nanno Mose. Um, <laughs> but then there were those random headers, like we'd be kicking the ball all over the place, and all of a sudden just wax him in the head, and yeah. then just burst out laughing. <laughs> now we used to call him Yapstam. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant. Yapstam. Yep. Now, now his, this, this, this monument is erected in St. Paul's Bay. Yeah. Um, they had to give it a good cleaning <laughs> before good, they put good it Good use up. of the word erected. <laughs> Thank you. But yeah, that's uh, that's not no more for you. Um, I was mentioning obviously all the investments for Monza. On the other hand, there's Torino who simply aren't given any any funding to invest yeah, it. It seems like the the project has been there for a while. You brought this up yesterday, and you said I haven't really seen any. Um, they, like they should be in a better position than they are now. Um, uh, considering their project, but then also when when you look two seasons ago and you saw them pretty much battling relegation for a lot of the season. Um, yeah, they, they they made it far since then, but I still think they should be in a higher position. They moved smart. Point. They didn't splash, but they they pulled, They made the right acquisitions. Bringing in Ivan Juric is the smartest thing they could have done. And now they're poaching these affordable little gems, you know, like mm. the Samuel Ericis of the world. Um, I think Torino have a good project. It's going to take more time than Monza's, though, for sure, because Monza have money, and money is a quick fix. Yeah, speeds everything up, speeds yeah. everything up. One final thing before we move on, Di Gregorio versus Vanya. They both had very, very good games over here. Which one would you take as a Mike Vice? A substitute for Mike Manian, obviously. I mean. <sighs> Which one would I take? Am I gonna take the? I know who you're gonna the, choose. Okay, so Di Gregorio is kind of like a cat now. He's a yeah. reflexes cat, and then you have Milinkovic Savic, who's essentially a, a titan. A no? bear. He's a bear. I'm, I'm taking Milinkovic Savic. I think so as of well. Course. Um, Di Gregorio is probably a more traditional. Um, he's a better goalkeeper. He's a better shot stopper than Mil- than Milinkovic Savic. But Milinkovic Savic has that personality. That kind of Mike has, no? The, and the he Mike can ping a ball and, like and Mike as well. Ping a ball, true. So yes, that's that's why I would take as a vice. But you know, these guys, I, I hope that doesn't happen because these guys don't deserve to be vices. They deserve to be started. Yeah, completely. Um, Monza, 8th, 46 points. Torino, 11th, 46 points. The next game we're going to be covering is Udinese 2, Sampdoria 0. Now the Sampdoria faithful tried their best to motivate their deflated Sampdoria side. Um, they all showed up. They had their flags and their chants and their, their sweet little horns, but it was not enough. This Sampdoria side is merely a shadow of Gianpaolo's impressive side featuring the likes of Luis Muriel, Fabio Quagliarella and Lucas Torreira. Um... It only took nine minutes for Pereira to, to punish them over here. Yeah. Now, Udinese have actually won their last three Serie A matches against Sampdoria after one draw and five defeats in the previous six, back when Sampdoria were a financially stable club and Ferreira didn't burn them to the ground. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it was Udinese, in the stadium clapping and jumping. Yeah, back then with the scarf, remember him? Yeah. Just coked out of his mind, like so obviously coked <laughs> out. Always like, beating Milan, I remember. So I remember Sampdoria. a 3-0 against us. Madonna, he was dancing so much, like Gasperi. Yeah. was dancing. Udinese managed three wins in a row against Sampdoria in the competition for the first time since 2013. Now, for Udinese, Silvestri was in goal, Mazina, Bijol and Bakawa at the back with Ziglar on the left and Ebolese 
Ebose Elessory on the right. Ebole Samadon. Mintos. Loveridge, Wallace, and Pereira were in the middle with Fuvon and Nestorovsky up front. This is that part of the season where you start wondering to yourself, where have these guys been all season? Like, where's Ziegler been? Nestorovsky's barely featured. Ebose, like, you know? Yeah. Um, Ravalia was in goal for Sampdoria with Gunter, Nuitink, and Murru at the back. Zanoli on the right and Augello on the left with Rincon, Harry Winks, and Juric in the middle with Fabio Quagliarella and Gabbiadini up front. They tried to field Quagliarella maybe to push the side, you know, with an experienced, seasoned veteran, the guy who managed to outscore Cristiano Ronaldo in the league a couple of years ago, but that was not the case. Yeah, um, has not been the case for a while, to be honest. I look at this Sampdoria team and I see quite a few pieces. We'll talk about that later on um, as to who is most likely to be poached and stay in Serie A. Mm. In the eighth minute, Ebolese played Pereira through, who chipped the goalkeeper first time to score his fifth goal of the season. Good goal from Pereira over there. In the 34th minute, Loveridge played the perfect ball to Masina and he headed it in with a killer header. Uh, Masina looks like the he's an extra in every film that was ever made. <laughs> in the 56th minute, Gabbiadini struck the post on a volley and that pretty much ended the game. Sampdoria never really actually got going this game. I mean, they had a few opportunities after they fell behind, but not really mm. a good game for them by any means. Um, now, bro, who... Is poachable here. All right. So obviously Ravalia started this game, but you look at Audero, definitely he's poachable. Yeah. Um, Nuitink stays in Serie A. Sure. Um, Zanoli back to Napoli. Mm-hmm. Um, Augello for sure stays in Serie A. Juricic and Gabbiadini. Juric maybe not. I'd say so. I'd say he stays I in I Serie A. I like what I saw. I, I think he's declined so badly. You don't see him with a bottom three team? Maybe, maybe a team that came up like... like a Frosinone, maybe mm. if they really... But the... I think Gabbiadini is a bit of a question mark considering his age. Um, but but I think he's one a guaranteed goal would... scorer. Yeah, the that's his injuries. I think Gabbiadini would be like the most likely, the first one on, on, the, on the list for many teams. Augello is... Um, like I, I see Augello at Juve, even at Juve, like, yeah. you know, at, at a top team. I think he's a very deployable player. Um, Napoli think, as well. Yes. I think he's good at Napoli. Yeah, yeah. Harry Winks is an interesting. I one. don't like him. I'm not a fan. He's okay. Yeah, should be way better considering how highly sought after he was at Spurs yeah. back in the days. 27 now, and he just hasn't improved. Probably his injuries though. I think Hesse needs to try something new. Um, he's tried <laughs> reggaeton, he's tried football, now he can go and try I poker don't know, poker or something, professional poker. Lammers need to spend some time in Serie in my opinion. Not a fan at the moment. Um, I, think, I, I think he can do better. Lammers. Lammers. I think he has potential, but I think he has potential. He needs time in Serie or or consistent yeah. game time with a lowly team. I think. Yeah, I think Cuisance will stay up. Yes. It's interesting, owned Good by play. Venezia. Maybe um, they make it through the playoffs. Maybe, maybe they get to with Poyampalo up front. Bro. My, what a guy, my what a bummer, dude. God, Poyampalo, my God. Guess who's been saying it from day one? You. Vouch for that. Yay! Thank you. Yes, bro. Um, Sampdoria, let's just hope that um, Ferrero actually sells instead of just holding and refusing bids. Um, you look at 
Sampdoria's history, you know, they won the league in 1990, 1991. They won the Coppa Italia four times. They've won the Super Coppa Italiana. They've won the Serie, Serie B once. They have um, finished second in the European Cup. They have won the European Cup Winners' Cup. They have won, no, finished second in the Super Cup. Of course, you can only win or finish second in the Super Cup. Mm. But yes, um, they have very rich history. They've had some legends. They've always been a relevant team. Um, so it's sad to see them go down. Let us hope that they sell the club and move on. Yeah, and they get back up so we could watch them play Genoa. Exactly. They currently sit in 20th with 17 points. Relegated, fucked up. <laughs> um, Udinese are in 9th with 46 points um, as they fight for that 8th spot. It's like Fiorentina, Udinese, Bologna, and Monza and Torino are just no you take eight no No one wants it but (laughs) Mr. Mark must be going through such a tough time Mr. Mark Mark, hey Mr. Mark (laughs) fuck you (laughs) Mr. Mark I never got mats but whatever yeah (laughs) I never got mats (laughs) Mr. Mark was one of our teachers he was a Sampdoria fan for those listening he believed in us he believed in us um very Speak strict. for yourself. No, yeah. Um, Very strict guy. He called my dad once at like 9 p.m. to tell him I didn't do my homework, bro. What? You, you, think, PM, you, think, bro. you think that was the one and only time he called Papa at 9 p.m., bro? They would pass and he'd call Papa to tell him, you know, your son got a fucking 52. What an idiot, like. Come on, bro. I guess that's what he'd be doing. Come like, on. Like, it's 9 p.m. Sampdoria are probably playing. Like, why are you calling the parents of your students? You fucking nerd. Uh, but he, he had loosened up in my year. He, he had taken yeah. a liking to some of us because we our year, we're very good at sports at St. Mm-hmm. Martin's. And he was classically a PE teacher, and maths teacher. And he appreciated us because you see us play like in the... You know, he used to make the boys run laps and sit like on the turf with the girls and just chat. Okay, While that the guys can... are just fucking running laps with their <laughs> tongues out, like, hey, you guys, hey, you guys! Allura girls. <laughs> Shut the fuck. Anyway, Empoli 2, Salernitana 1. Oh you should probably days. find the game because it starts in two oh, minutes. Oh, yes. Real City is up next. Um, Empoli 2, Salernitana 1. The previous encounter was another victory for Empoli with the score of three goals to one. Um, both teams were on 35 points going into this game and they both knew that a win would probably propel them to safety, but the drop zone was tightening up behind them. Empoli ended their crisis initially with a 3-1 win over Bologna, while Paolo Sousa's side were unbeaten in 10 after dramatic draws with Milan, Inter, Napoli and Fiorentina. The winter was the only absentee for the hosts, while Bradaric was suspended with Antonio Candreva, Federico Fazio, Norbert Gjomber and Domen Cernigoy out injured. Empoli fielded a 4-2-3-1 formation with Vicario on goal and the backline of Parisi, Luperto, Valu... 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 Call him Walu, that's what it says on his kit. Walukovic, Walukovic and Ebuehi at the back. Marin and Gracias the midfield too with Cambiaghi, Henderson and Baldanzi playing behind Ciccio Caputo. For Salernitana it was a 3-4-2-1 formation with Ochoa and Gold on the back line of Bron, Lovato and Pirola. Sambia is out on the right and Matsocchi was out on the left with Villain and Koulibaly in the midfield too. Maggiore and Botheim played behind Bulayedia. 
Now on the 10 minute mark, Ochoa denied Caputo's header very well. A classic Ochoa save where you think, oh, what a save. Oh, maybe he could have caught it. Oh, but how did he get there so quick? Whatever. In the 37th minute, Cambiaghi opened the scoring thanks to an Ebuehi assist. It was a beautiful attack by Empoli, which resulted in Cambiaghi heading in Ebuehi's cross brilliantly into the bottom corner. Just kind of a flying header, I guess. Empoli wanted a penalty in the 52nd after Lovato tripped Marin in the box. This one looked like a penalty to me. Yeah. Literally, really looked like a penalty to me. It was a blatant trip. Ebuehi hit the crossbar with a floating header, rising tall at the first post after a Marin corner. Triccio Caputo then made it two in the 63rd minute, once again through an Ebuehi assist. It was a Marin corner that resulted in a loose ball in the box, and Ebuehi put it on a plate for Caputo, who slotted in. Ebuehi initially looked offside, however, a VAR check confirmed the goal. It was the Tyrone show, huh? At the Tyrone show hit the post as well. It was yeah, a good, good performance by good him. Performance. In the 85th minute, Piontek got one back for Salernitana. Vicario found himself slightly out of position after denying Castanos, and Piontek took advantage on the rebound with a powerful, accurate volley. Piaka saw his curling goal cancelled out as Marin, who assisted, was slightly offside, denying Empoli a third. Empoli are pretty much safe, bro, after this game. Yes, um, I think 38 points are enough to keep you safe. Yeah. Depending on the season, uh -huh. I think this season it is enough for, for Empoli. Yeah. Salernitana are slightly behind them with uh, 35 points. So why is there also on great form, which was the point you and Mintoff made last time, the 12 points to play for and they're eight points away from relegation. So a lot can still happen. Yes, 12 um, points up for grabs. Um, it would have to be disasters for them to go down. Yes. But uh, they have to be pretty much... Terrible and Spezia would have to be flawless. Yeah, we well, we saw how um, they managed survival last season. Yeah, yeah, David's yeah. the opposite this oh time. Oh my god, <laughs> the reverse miracle! Yeah, I mean the their streak, their streak has come to an end. Yeah, had it not been for those fucking ten games in a row, bro, they would be in a disastrous yeah position. But you know, I every, think every game counts. Sousa has really done well. He's done he's done super well. Dia has exploded into life and the team plays to serve this guy, Bulaye Dia. Um, very capable players everywhere in this team. You look at Kulibali, for example, a very good player in the middle. The defense is uh, good. You look at Matsuki, he's a good player. Um, Ochoa has been brilliant as well. Ochoa deserves all the flowers he can get. Mm -hmm. But, you know, Bulaye Dia at the end of the day is the difference. And bro, I actually managed to snip it to the, um, the chant. Yes. Can you imagine a sold-out San Siro, bro? Like that would <laughs> don't, don't be bro. Don't ridiculous, man. Don't guess me. Bulaedia from Senegal, the 26-year-old striker with the big brain and the big body. He can totally get it done. Yes, sir. Now, you pointed out a bunch of Salernitana players. Um, obviously, Empoli were the victors in this game, playing a completely different brand of football to Salernitana. Mm -hmm. Salernitana being very high press, very fast, very physical, very wide. Um, whilst Empoli, very intricate team that like to move the ball around in the middle of the pitch, typically starting the attack from the back into the front with 
a lot of passes and a yeah. lot of touches. Um, but that was the team that prevailed in this game. I feel like Salernitana didn't really get going in this game. Um, I think Empoli were a little bit too smart for them. I yeah. think Empoli yeah. were very calm under that Salernitana storm. And Empoli just have been getting big wins, bro. And they're getting better and better. Their chemistry is usually improving. You look at like the... the Little touches that Henderson, Baldanzi, Cambia, and Caputa take their exchanges. Mm. Super intricate play, man. They're, they're, they've, they've become very good this team, and yeah. I really hope that they can they can continue to gel. Interesting to see what kind of player they'll go for up front because Caputo fits this brand perfectly. He's a really he good striker to play like off the shoulders of, um, and we saw this in his Sassuolo days as well. So they need to find someone kind of with this mold, mm. you know, someone. Yeah. You know, it can't be anyone. It can't just be anyone. Yeah, it need to be a, a striker who's good with his back towards mm. goal. I like Marin so much. He's a good Romanian. I like him so much, bro. I like him so much. He's everywhere, Marin. He is. He's small. He's got very good passing. His work rate is exceptional. He finds himself in a lot of attacking situations. Yeah. He defends a lot as well. He's so good, Marin, man. Yeah. He's so good. He runs that part of the pitch for Empoli. Yeah, um, he's super. Um, alongside him, there was Grassi as well. Yeah. Um, Grassi, I remember, bro, you rem we talk about this a lot. We're watching the, the under-21s uh, World Cup, Italy. Uh, Grassi was one of those players. This was ages ago, right? Um, and he looks really good. And watching him nowadays and watching him back then, it's like... It's pretty much the same dude. Mm. Like, like you know, he's same yeah, dude on a same. bigger stage. Yes, like. it's like it's like he's not really adapted his skill set. His industry is good, and he's a deployable player, serviceable. But I feel like his ceiling was higher than what he's currently become. Yeah, I think so. I think yeah. so as well. Um, it could also be that he's still quite a, a new face in, in yeah. Serie. So he'll. But he's twenty eight nowadays. <gasps> yes, it's been that long, by the way. Fucking hell, yeah, I did not know yeah. Grassi was 28. Yeah. I'm going to give a... Super happy for Zanetti, by the way. I'm going to give a shout-out to Cambiaghi, who scored yes. again and had another very good game. I'm going to give a shout-out to Baldanzi, who is looking... Super. Just always impressive, the, these guys. So Empoli definitely have a, a lovely, lovely starting eleven. Parisi, Luperto, Ebuehi, Marin, Cambiaghi, Baldanzi, Caputo, Destro, Akprakpro, Bandinelli. A bunch of great players on this yeah. team. A bunch of great players. They currently sit in 14th on 38 points, while Salernitana are in 15th, three points behind them on 35 points. The last game we're going to be covering... No, I have one more after you. You do? We have the Cremonese game. Of course. Nice, I love that game, actually. <laughs> Never mind. The penultimate game we're going to be covering is Lecce nil Verona 1. Hellas Verona are now unbeaten in their last seven Serie A matches against Lecce with five wins and two draws, including winning the last four without conceding a single goal goal. Lecce had lost their previous home match against Hellas Verona and say uh, 1-0 after being beaten in their previous six um, with four victories and two draws. Moreover, they failed to score in consecutive home games against Verona for the first time in the competition. Hellas Verona won an away game, which means that they are no longer the only team that hasn't won an away game in the big, five, big 10 European leagues this season. Come on, Verona. Wow, dude. They were the only team 
That, that's wild. That's crazy. Not win away again. That's crazy. The Big Ten, not even the Big Five, the Big Ten. Ma. But anyway, for Marco Baroni's Lecce, it was Falcone in goal with Gallo as the left back of Jean Andreas, right back Umtiti and Bascarotto. Business as usual at the back over there. Udon, Hulmand, and Blin were in the middle with Di Francesco out on the left, Strafetza on the right, and Cisse up front. For Marco Zaffaroni's Hellas Verona, it was Montepo in goal, Maniani, Hien, and Davidovic at the back with Faroni as the right wing back, Lazovic as the left wing back, Abdelgard, Duda, and Tamez in the middle with the superhero Verdi playing off the massive forehead of Juric. Now, 90 seconds into the game, Lazovic whipped it into Juric, who smashed the crossbar with Ayadar, and that pretty much set the tone for the game. Yeah. It was going to be a mental one. In the ninth minute, the exact same routine forced Falcone into making a wonderful save on a Juric header. Di Francesco <laughs> attempted a bicycle kick at the end of the first half, which was rather hopeful audacious, <laughs> but it was not enough of course he didn't hit the target um, Lecce had their first real opportunity 50 minutes into the game of an Udin corner Blin with a header just over yes Lecce didn't really do anything this game mm. in the 59th minute Falcone with another impressive save this time on Abdelgard's header off a corner and in the 71st minute Verona's hard work paid off as in Gonj chested the ball down um, drove into space down the middle. He unleashed a long-range, low-driven shot into the bottom corner and scored. Super sub. The Ngonj and Verdi rescue team for Hellas Verona bro. the second half of the season. It's yes, literally sir. just Ngonj and um, Verdi literally yeah. getting them these points. And they've managed to climb out. Now, I am happy to see them climbing out and the celebrations are always fun to watch and all that. But as we addressed earlier on, I am worried about Hellas Verona. Um, and I do think that relegation would have been the smack in the face that they desperately needed to to finally invest in the club or sell the club or decide on what these owners want to do with the club because the trajectory has only been downwards for them. Yeah, a beautiful brand, a beautiful football club, great story, the flying donkeys, you know what I mean? Yeah. But unfortunately, they're in the wrong hands and the wrong hands are being greedy, essentially. Yeah. I'm happy, yes, like Jake said, to see them get out, especially after trying so hard for ages, just the world against them. They had so many injuries as well. But the way they got out isn't entirely sustainable. Yeah. The, sure, they, they, they got their shit together and they, they got some points. They got their first win away from home, but Verdi... Juric, you know what I mean? Yeah. These are players that, that, that come in, they do their bit and they leave. And, and it's they're like, journeymen. They're, they're journeymen. So there's, I look at this Verona team and there's absolutely nothing sustainable over there. There's no value in this team. Nothing. No, if, if you compare this team to Empoli, if you compare this team to Lecce, Look, look at Lecce's team. There, there are pieces over here that can sell for quite a bit. There are valuable pieces, you know. The Verona team really doesn't have anything to it, honestly. Like, who the fuck are you going to make money off of over here? They need to survive or they're yeah. fucked. Especially, imagine this team gets relegated. The players want to leave. You're going to get absolutely nothing from these guys. Yeah. You're going to get 5 million, 10 million a pop at most. Like, Tamez will go to Udinese at best. Yeah. <laughs> Lazovic, maybe, Lazovic maybe advice can, for yeah. someone. Milken, for... Hien, Hien is a valuable piece at the back. He's mm. very Good. You know where I see Lazovic? I really see Lazovic at at um, Bo at Bologna, um, in and out with Soriano. I think that would be a really good kind of balance very, very to, give, to give that left hand side. Very interesting. Yeah, 
it would be good. It would be good. And under Motta, he might be, he might be a beast. You might be cooking, bro. You might be cooking. Lecture flying a little bit too close to the sun at the moment. You can see them over here with 31 points. Spezia have 27 points. So, bro, the relegation candidates right now, strictly speaking, are Salernitana, Lecce, Hellas, Verona, Spezia. Who goes down? I have a feeling, and this is just a feeling. Okay, I'm going to go with my gut. I have a feeling that Sampdoria... Cremonese and Lecce go down. I have a feeling. Now, have a my, feeling. my logic yeah. is telling me the way they are right now, that's the way it'll be. Mm-hmm. Because I don't see Spezia getting so many victories. Um, I see Verona are, are on better form than them. Like Spezia just lost against Cremonese for crying out loud. It's also a possibility that Cremonese climb out because they've been so good. They... They might have two wins in them. Who knows? Um, Maybe two wins on the draws, I think, what they need. (laughs) But I I get the feeling that it's going to be Sampdoria, Cremonese and Lecce, bro. Sampdoria, Cremonese and Lecce. I would would say Spezia do go down. Um, They're misfiring right now. And that's another team who doesn't have much value in them. You know, many lone players, many flops and one very good striker. Yeah, that's what the Spezia side has. But yes, um, we'll see. I say it stays like this. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, it's gonna be fun, though. It's yeah. gonna be fun. Like tune into every game right now. They're gonna be blood every fun. single match yeah. is so valuable at this point. This is my favorite part of the yeah, season. Same the, the twilight end. Fuck yeah. me. So yes, as we highlighted, Lecce are currently in 16th with 31 points, while Hellas Verona are in 17th with 30 points. The final game we're going to be covering is another relegation six-pointer, this time between Cremonese and Spezia, as Cremonese got away with a 2-0 victory. The previous encounter was a 2-2 draw at La Spezia. This was a last-chance saloon for Cremonese, who were six points adrift of safety, while Spezia had been caught by Verona in the drop zone after just one win and six draws in 15 rounds. Qualiata and Piquel were suspended with Dessers and Saju injured for the hosts. Um, Daniel Maldini, Zurkowski, Sala, Moutinho and Holm didn't make the trip, but Mbala and Zola returned to the bench and Simone Bastoni pulled out in the warm-up. Um, can you fix the TV please, bro? Oh my freaking ass. Um, Cremonese kicked things off with a 4-2-3-1 formation with Carnesecchi in goal and the backline of Valeri, Lashoskvili, Vasquez and Ferrari that Castagnetti and Meite in the double pivot with Okereke out on the left, Senicola out on the right and Galdames playing behind Chofani. I just say I really like this Cremonese team. Yeah, bro, like, man. Know, it's <laughs> like, in the beginning, I'm like, who are all these guys? Yeah. They're good, you They're know? Good, I dude. like them, bro. They're fun as fuck. They are this Cremonese fun. side, they play a grandpa up front in Chopani, <laughs> who, who was wearing a mask this game, by the yeah. way. Very cool <laughs> as well. Was it key that asked? That's awesome, man. <laughs> Hilarious. <laughs> yes. 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 Both of that us is, just yes. That that's is Victor awesome, Rosie, man. <laughs> uh, no, 
was so like, fucking Like, why do weird. I like Saint Nicola so much? I don't even know, bro. He's just good. He's good, dude. He's good. This Cremonese team have really grown. He looked so shit at the beginning hey, of man. the season. Hey. And even towards the, the second half of the season, like, at the beginning of the second half, they weren't great at all. No. No, things they, are... They, they, they were... They were... Bro, remember, their first game in Serie A this season was against Fiorentina, where they were drawing 3-3, and then Radu fucked up. Yes. And they lost 4-3. That had won us our best. Was that our against first bet. Cremonese? That was Cremonese. Radu made the mistake. Of Mela. course. Yes, oh sir. Oh my god. Cremonese were that side. But then side they became the demoralized, bro. Bro, Cremonese looked good in the beginning. They just failed to get points. Yeah. And then they were shambolic, shambolic, shambolic. Now we're seeing this fucking fight in them. Like it, so much like Salernitana last season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So much like Crotone a few seasons ago as well. Ooh. Come on, Cremonese. It's all about Ballardini ball, baby. Yes, Let's sir. go, dude. Yes, fucking sir. semi-finalists of the Coppa Italia. What a fucking turnaround, dude. <laughs> fucking Davide Ballardini, dude. I'm working on a drawing. He is. Well, he my is drawings Jake. aren't very good. Jake, too. But humble brag. I'm, they're not. Uh, let's, let's be real. Let's be real. They're, they're not like amazing. They're, they're fun little quick draws. Jamie told me they they are very good, and they remind him of the. What are you talking about? <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> big Les. Salvo on the yeah. Big Les show. Very similar. Like because I the... use very simple colors. Like on the, yeah. yeah. But yeah, uh, fucking bro, what a team. Honestly, yes. like, like Mate as well is a is a nifty little player. Yes, and man. I didn't think he would end up as a team like Ramon. I thought he'd be higher up the table hey. after what he showed at Milan. And Torino. Yeah. Well, Spezia lined up in a 4-3-3 with Drangovski in goal on the back line of Amian, Wisniewski, Ampadu and Nicolau. I love saying Wisniewski's name. Ekdal, Esposito and Burabia played in the middle with Agudelo, Shomorodov and Giasi up front. I like that he said Esposito, I like Despacito. <laughs> what would you call him? Esposito. I called him Esposito. Esposito. No, 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 Puerto Rico. 10 minutes in, Karnasecki denied Amian, who had a good chance. The resulting corner resulted in another great save by Karnasecki, this time from Wisniewski's header. Karnasecki, again, like a lot of people got in touch with us, um, telling us that he's a bad goalkeeper. Um, not the case, man. He's a, he's a young guy getting, getting his footing. Eight saves bro. eight saves eight saves <laughs> like are you kidding me yeah he's a he's an atalanta player um uh, young goalkeeper who it, it, he's so highly spoken about in the industry only 22 only 22 years old which for a goalkeeper is super 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 young and i can't tell you how highly he's rated in the industry um and that's for very good reason i guess yeah, in the sure. 41st minute Shafani opened the scoring it was a complete mess from the Spezia defenders with the ball bouncing all over their feet and falling to Shafani who finished cleanly in the near post very much against the run of play at the start of the second half Egda let the ball run with Adami to Shomorodov whose bullet strike hit the inside of the crossbar close call over there for Cremonese in the 76th minute, however, Cremonese made it two to seal things. It was Vasquez, thanks to a Galdames assist. Vasquez headed him brilliantly after a precise cross from a free kick by Galdames. Very good cross, very good header. Cremonese, three points, 24 points, six away from Verona and 17th at this point. Now, this was the perfect example, no of a relegation six-pointer. Yes, literally, by definition. Mm. I love these games, man. I love these games. The Spezia working class games. Up, dude. Yes, man. Spezia fucked up. Yes. Spezia are in trouble. Spezia had 
70% ball possession, and they had 18 shots, eight on target. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's Karnaseki just kept saying nope, nope, yep. nope. And when they brought on um, Inzola, he had a really good opportunity, but he failed to hit the target as well. These fine margins are with the side games. Um, yes, bro. Um, what are their fixtures? Last four games, Spezia and Cremonese. Do you have them handy by any chance? I don't have them handy. Um, I can look them up. So we're saying Cremonese. Yeah. Cremonese and Spezia. Let's see their, their remaining games. So, oh God. So, <laughs> <laughs> Here we go. Yeah. So Cremonese play Juve away next. And then Bologna home. Then Lazio away. Then Salernitana away. They could get some points. Oh my God, bro. They could get that some. last game. Cremonese Salernitana might That's be juicy. the one. Yeah, That's yeah. the one. We go. We go with Antlana. We're off. Cremona. Here we come. And then Spezia. Spezia have Milan home. All right. That's a 1 1. <laughs> Lecce away. Torino home. Roma away. Oh, God. Tough fixtures all Tough around. Fi- bro, what honestly, about I'm not, I'm not, I'm I want not to even, overall, I'm not even gonna make predictions at this. I'm just gonna watch and enjoy, bro. Verona have Torino home, Atalanta away, Empoli home, Milan away. They're, they're all they're very all hard. They're, they're all, all hard. hard. Yes, I think right now you just look at it, the the six point gap that Cremonese mm. have from safety just seems like so much with four games to go yeah, like it might be too little too late it would really take a miracle for mm. them to survive now from how we were say. speaking we're obviously both gonna miss um, Cremonese if they go down will you miss Spezia if they go down? dude Spezia came up they did their time um, they looked shit every single year they were in say a bar the Italiano year I think the Italiano year was their best year of course um I enjoyed them while they while they were in Serie but you know um, I, I think I think that they they they're not a very strong team you know they're not a, an entertaining team to watch nowadays they're they're very much um, hoofed the ball to Zolan inshallah you know yeah um, I will miss them they brought us two magnificent managers into the league man they brought us Motta and they brought us Italiano as well both you know you, you see where they are now with Fiorentina and Bologna doing absolute bits um, and Spezia were the ones that gave them a shot yeah. um, and Spezia played some good football under them and sure they never had the team to compete they had that transfer ban which yeah. made things much harder they fought bro group of fucking fighters and, and they managed three seasons in a row fighting as yes, the underdog man. one of the worst teams in the league every time they survive and survive and survive yes I'm surprised by their fan base they have a lovely city as well I really really I'll, I'll miss Spets yeah, if, if yeah. they go down and I'll be rooting for them in Serie B yeah bro Ballardini the Davide Nicola of the season maybe <laughs> we'll see very difficult but we'll see where would he bike it to I, I don't think he could he could travel as far as Nicola I think he's more the time to like sit in the tub and have a cigar no after victory I think so you know? I yeah. think so he would have certainly earned it bro if yeah. he does that we're done bro Spezia 18th 27 points Cremonese 19th 24 points still a lot to do for both of them but one of them can do it or both of them who knows yeah. maybe Verona and Lecce go down or Salernitana and Lecce go down or Salernitana and Verona so on so forth no, so, so many possibilities um, 
But yes, guys, it was brilliant to be back and yes. to do this together. Nice and early. Nice and early. We're in time for the Champions League. Yeah, we only missed 24 minutes. Not bad. Um, you know, your boys have to watch football too, guys. You know, we missed so many yeah. Champions League games because of recording. Literally. Uh, we put them on in the background like we've just been talking and goals are happening. Crazy shit's happening on the TV and we're not even watching. Like. I'll never forget last year. We were recording when there was City Real. Oh my going god! On that go- all the re- we, oh, Rodrigo we when Rodrigo came on, right? We missed we missed all of the Real comebacks. Yeah, all the, the one against PSG, um, the one against City, and there was another one Chelsea against yeah. Chelsea. We missed all those three because of recording. No problem. But I, I wouldn't, wouldn't trade it for the fucking world, dude. Yes. yes, fucking give it to me. Thank Let's you, Mintoff, for filling in while we were away. <laughs> But we're fucking back now. We needed a bit of a mint of cleanse. Make it a bit PG again. We've been Jake and Matt. Don't forget to follow. Rate five stars because for some reason went down to 4.9. Yeah. On, on spot. Who? Who was it? Huh? Who was it? Was it IFTV? Was it you? <laughs> <laughs> Nothing but love to all the other Italian podcasts. You guys inspire us. We love us. you all, yes. Honestly. We love you all. Genuinely. Say, uh, sit down to, to IFTV, IFTV, to the Italian, Chronicles, foot, the Italian football podcast, all the Gab and Jules We show. listen to you all. Like, well, you're great. all magnificent and do us a favor. This is going to be sweet. Any of our listeners, you don't, in order to speak highly of us, you don't need to bring down anyone else. Yeah. Um, these are all, we've, we've spoken to most of them and yeah. they're all lovely people. They are bro. lovely guys. Yes. Really, really lovely people. And they, they, they just and they're love, passionate about they love Serie, Serie A, bro. Yeah. They live it and they breathe it. Yeah. So shout out to all of them. Shout out to all you guys. Thank you for always having our backs. We love you and we'll see you next week.